We're in a series called Covenant, looking at relationships, and today we're going to talk about covenant singles. I'm just going to jump right in on your notes, on the screen. I'm going to start out with a verse here. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, which I would maintain is exactly what we have done in our relationships, and certainly in the areas of dating and singleness. Uh, we have abdicated our biblical position and copied the behavior and customs of this world. A young Christian lady was frustrated in her new marriage. She couldn't get her husband to come to church with her. Instead of coming to church with her on Sunday morning, he wanted her to go out with him on Saturday night. And when she was asked, well, where did you meet him? She said, I met him at a bar. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We need to change the way we think about singleness and dating. Then you will know what God wants you to do. Because God's way for singles is far different than the world's way for singles. Today we live in a dating culture, not only for teens, but also for adults. I don't know if you've noticed, but there are all kinds of dating sites for adults because our approach to relationships is so ineffective that divorce is putting people back into the dating meat grinder in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and even 70s. But for centuries, the biblical approach was the normal practice. Parents and family were actively involved in the selection of a mate. The idea of a guy asking his girl, asking a girl, her saying yes, and excluding the rest of the family in the process uh, until the girl you know, comes home and says, Dad, I know you don't like him, but I love him so much. Would you pay for the wedding? You know, the, the biblical process had parents and families involved all the way through. Dads and uncles and brothers uh, protected girls and helped them find a, a suitable mate. Uh, it used to be that... that One of the conditions of dating was the young man had to demonstrate his character to the girl's family. And I just think today's dating system makes girls extremely vulnerable. We just turn them over to a 16-year-old boy and see what happens. I'm amazed at fathers who let their daughters date guys they don't even know, and yet if that same guy asked to drive their car, they would have six dozen questions he'd have to answer before they'd let him behind the wheel. But the biblical standards were high. They're high for both the guy and the girl. And I'm going to offer those biblical standards to you today, and your reaction may be, Kelly, you're not normal. And I would submit to you that normal is not working. It's not working for teens. It's not working for adults. I mean, if dating works so well, why do we need dating sites for people looking for their second, third, and fourth spouse? Something's wrong with this process. The Bible says, stop fooling yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you will have to become a fool so you can become wise by God's standards. So you can call me a fool if you want to, and you can claim to be wise by the world's standards, but I just ask you, what are the results? What are the results of doing it the world's way? What are the results of doing it God's way? On your notes, on the screen... Got some verses out of the Song of Solomon today. The Song of Solomon is a racy, steamy, provocative Bible book about romance. I wondered if I wanted to do this today, and I'm just going to forge right in. So here we go. 
Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. And the seal mentioned here is like a signet ring. It's an official ring, a seal or stamp. Today we might think of it as a promise ring or, or like a true love waits ring. But the idea is, is that there is a covenant before the covenant. They made a covenant with God. They made a covenant with their future spouse before they even knew who their future spouse would be. They made a covenant before the covenant. Now, our generation does the exact opposite. Our generation, we just have very loose relationships. Uh, let's just go on this date. I'm going to check you out. Let's live together. Let's cohabit. Let's do married stuff to see what it's like before there's a covenant. Completely the opposite of God's plan. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. They're saying till death do us part before the wedding. They didn't run around with a bunch of people and then finally decide one day, well, you know, till death do us part. They said, I'm going to commit to one before I even know who the one is. They were making serious, strong covenants before they were even in the marriage. I'm going to keep myself pure for my future spouse, because love, it's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Love was so strong, it had to be reserved for marriage. You didn't just fritter it away on anybody. And they had a strict warning for anyone who didn't live like that. It says, we have a young sister, and her breasts are not yet grown. What shall we do for our sister for the day she is spoken for? What shall we do to prepare our young adolescent sister for the day in which she will be married? What do we do to prepare her? If she is a wall, if she has guarded herself and protected her purity, if she has built a wall around herself, we will build towers of silver on her. If she maintains her purity, we're going to celebrate her. We're going to honor her. We're going to reward her for that. If she is a door, if instead of being pure, she's been promiscuous, a door, not a wall, come on in. Next. Anybody else? Are you serious, Pastor? I'm just reading the text. We have a generation that lives like that. Oh, I'll covenant one day, but until then, I'm going to give my heart, maybe even my body, to anybody I think is cute or interesting. I'll have one or two or six or twelve boyfriends and girlfriends before I finally decide to settle for one. Look what their response was to someone who was a door. It says, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. You want to be a door? then we're going to build panels of cedar around you. If you don't have the integrity, if you don't have the sense of self-worth, if you don't have an eye for your future to maintain your purity, then we will protect you from yourself. And I just feel I have an obligation as a pastor to tell you there's a better way than what the world is peddling. She says, I am a wall and my breasts are like towers. I have kept myself pure. I have protected and preserved my purity Thus I have become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. And the Hebrew word for contentment there is the word shalom, which means peace. She says, I've been a wall. I have preserved and protected my purity. When I showed up on my wedding day, I brought him contentment. I brought him peace. 
You know, what if we brought peace and contentment into our marriage instead of all the chaos and disorder and hurt and bitterness and regret and guilt that comes from living the world's way? I contend one of the reasons the divorce rate is so high is because people come into marriage with broken and damaged hearts, hearts ravaged by the dating process to the point that when you finally pick someone out to marry, you can't love them with a whole heart because your heart has been shattered by all your exes. You haven't preserved and protected your heart for the one you love. You've given away a piece here and a piece here and a piece here to the point that you're trying to love with a broken and hardened heart. I'm not trying to be judgmental here. I'm just trying to give you an accurate assessment of the situation. Number one, so we can stop it from happening anymore. And number two, so you can find real healing and real hope for the hurts you're packing around. And there's healing and relief available. But we've got to do it God's way. I maintain if we can be single God's way, we can get God's results. We can enter into our relationships with peace and contentment instead of all the junk the world gives us. But God's plan is we protect our purity until marriage. We say, oh, no, no, I want to date around before I get tied down. Then I'll be faithful. But you play like you practice. And if you practice with a loose mindset, you'll play with a loose mindset. If you've already broken up with several dating partners, it's not that big a deal to break up with a spouse. You're just playing like you practiced. Now, I don't want to go back and and condemn you about the past. We just want to start from today and do it different. And so I'm going to ask our singles to make three covenants. And you may be in your teens, you may be much older than that, but you are never too old to do it God's way and reap God's results. So what am I calling you to? First of all, to covenant preparation. I make a covenant with God in order to prepare for marriage. And you can make this covenant if you've never been married. You can make this covenant if you've been divorced. In fact, it may be even more crucial for you if you've been divorced because you come out of divorce wounded and vulnerable and you're likely to make a mistake. So if you're older and you've been married before, you need to work this preparation step hard. And if you're single and never been married, don't squander the tremendous opportunity to prepare for marriage. Because believe me, everybody in here who's married would love the opportunity to go back and do it right. In most areas of life, we recognize youth as a time of preparation. We send our young people off to school to prepare for life as an adult. We want them to learn to read, to write, to solve problems, to develop life skills so they can get a job and provide for a family. We want them to be prepared for life. When it comes to school, parents rouse their kids out. Dad, I don't want to go to bed. Dad, drag your lazy bones out of bed and get to school. You know, we make it hard on them because we know if we do it right, they'll be prepared for the next 50 to 60 years of life. We want them to succeed, so we send them off to be prepared. But with relationships, we just send them out there to flounder on their own, even though they're not mature enough to handle it. Go ahead, give your heart to somebody for six months or a year and then break up with them and give your heart to somebody else for six months and break up with them and give your heart to somebody else. Or give your heart deeply to someone all the way through high school and then after graduation break up and then wonder for the rest of your life if they were really the one. 
You know, we think we're teaching kids how to find a life partner when we're teaching them how to break up and harden their hearts. Years ago, before we built the other building, we used to have a modular building out back that the teens met in, and we had a deck built on the front of it, and the teens used to hang out there, and I'd go out there and visit with them. And one night I was talking to some kids, and there was an eighth-grade girl there, and she said, me and my ex used to go bowling. Eighth grade. I said, you have an ex? She said, yeah, we went together through sixth and seventh grade and then broke up. And I said, you know, you seem kind of young to have an ex. And she said, well, my mom has an ex, my aunt has an ex, I have an ex, we all have an ex. Years haven't been kind to that young lady. She wasn't prepared. She was a door. How do we prepare for covenant? It's not about finding the right person. It's about becoming the right person. I don't care if you're single in 18. I don't care if you're single in 48. The key is becoming the right person. We spend all this time looking for the right guy, the right girl. You know, we're going to the prom, going to homecoming, Friday date night, looking on eHarmony, Christian Mingle. Parents are right in there helping. Oh, let's plan this dance. Let's rent this limo. Let's get these kids paired off. And we do it younger and younger. And rather than our kids being prepared for covenant and commitment, they learn to make contracts of convenience and harden their broken hearts. What if instead of trying to find the right person, what if I take this season and focus on becoming the right person? What if I live out 2 Corinthians 3.18 and we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. I let God transform me to become more like Christ in order to prepare me for my relationships. I make a covenant of preparation. Jesus modeled covenant preparation for us. The Bible says nothing about Jesus from age 12 to age 30. It says nothing about his teens and 20s except this one verse. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Folks, that is covenant preparation. Jesus grew in wisdom. He guarded his mind. He didn't tap into all the junk that the world has to offer, the world's outlook, values, principles, ideas. He didn't let stuff corrupt his mind. He grew in stature. It doesn't just mean he grew taller. He grew in character. He grew in favor with God. He focused on his relationship with God. He grew in favor with men. He made wise relationship decisions with people. He treated people in a God-honoring way. He glorified God in his relationships. Jesus prepared himself for life and ministry through his teens and 20s. And he calls us to prepare for our life as well. To grow in wisdom, to grow in character, to focus on God, to glorify God in your relationships. If you do that, you will be prepared. It's a covenant of preparation. Next covenant, covenant purity. You make a covenant with yourself regarding your purity. question always comes up, how far is too far? Dating relationships, teens always want to know how far they can go, not cross over the line. It's interesting to me now, I've got people in their 40s coming to me saying, Pastor, how far is too far? And the answer is, however far you've gone, that's too far. 
If you have to ask the question, I mean, everybody thinks that there's this line that if we cross the line, we've sinned. Everything up to that line is fine, just as long as we don't stick a toe or another body part across the line. (laughs) But those who are in covenant purity don't see how close they can get to the line. They see how far away they can stay from it. Because here's the line for covenant purity. You don't even want to get the passion process started. You don't even want to get the process started because you know when the process starts. And it may even be that holding hands starts that process for you. And if so, then that's too far. God designed physical intimacy to be only between a husband and a wife. And God designed the process not to be interrupted. It was designed to go from holding hands to hugging to completion. The passion process was designed to be carried out fully. And that's why the line is not to even start the process. Because if you're not in a married relationship with a person, you shouldn't start the process because you're defrauding them, you're cheating them, you are wounding them, you've crossed the line. God has a high standard for purity. He has a standard of purity. He says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. I don't even start the process with a look. I put a filter on the internet. I block TV channels. I don't look at magazines. I don't look around. I look, I keep my eyes focused where they need to be focused. I make a covenant with my eyes. Another covenant for purity. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And the answer is nothing. Singles, Decide to marry someone who is more passionate about God than you are. Find someone who's more passionate about God than you are and then try to rise to their level. Look for someone with covenant purity, someone who will bring peace and contentment to your marriage. Don't practice missionary dating. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll marry him and then I'll get him saved. You know, if he or she's not going to church before you met them, chances are they're not going to church after you marry them. Don't bet the health of your marriage. Don't bet your family's spiritual future on it. Make a covenant of purity. Third thing, covenant pursuit. You know, when I'm ready to find someone to marry, how do I pursue them? Katie and I have told our kids that that the purpose of dating is to determine if you want to marry a specific person. And so don't even start dating until you are ready to get married. Otherwise, you're just starting the process and crossing the line too quickly. Just, Just take that off the table. Wait until you're ready to get married. And until then, through your teenage years, if you like somebody, if your hormones rage, if you get a crush, just put it on hold. Be nice to that person, just like you'd be nice to everybody else. Encourage that person to grow to be like Christ, just like you'd encourage everybody else. But just wait. You just wait. And you prepare yourself for marriage. You know, sometimes as a parent, you have to struggle to work through some of that stuff with your kids. You have to have conversations with your kids. Sometimes you shed tears with your kids. You may have to make some adjustments. You may have to build some cedar panels around some relationships. But that's what parents are for. 
Too many parents stop parenting their kids when kids need a parent the most. Parents parent a kid until he can drive and get a part-time job, and then they think, well, my job's over. He'll just have to learn from his own mistakes. And so when the teen needs parental guidance for life's most important decisions, they let the teen go out and just flounder on their own. Until one day they show up on the doorstep with someone you don't even know that they want to marry, and now you've got to spend Thanksgiving with them for the next 35 years. You know, I parent my kids till they walk down the aisle. Genesis says, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. It says, a man shall leave. Not a 16-year-old kid, a man. And he leaves and he cleaves to his wife. He doesn't leave to go chase 50 other women or anybody who walks by in a skirt. He leaves for his wife. Part of God's plan for parenting is you work together through the process. You talk it through. You participate. You bring wisdom and spiritual maturity and counsel and insight into it. You know, a wise single includes their parents, includes other people in the process of mate selection. Because love is not only blind, love is stupid. You know, when you're in love, you don't think straight. You need somebody outside the love bubble to keep you sane, to keep you on track. And then when you've picked out that someone special, don't even start the passion process until you're on your honeymoon. Don't even start the passion process until you're on your honeymoon. Kelly, that is so extreme. Really? God says, therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. He says, don't live like the world lives. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty, since we have these promises. What promises? The promises that if we do it God's way, we'll get God's results. What are the results? Peace, contentment, stability, purity. You want to have all the conflict and and chaos and contamination of the world. Dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Folks, God means it. These are just words on a page. He means it. We're to be different than the world, purifying ourselves, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. It's time for the church to issue a call to purity. As our society crumbles around us, someone has to offer an alternative. Otherwise, we're going to lose a generation. And we're not going to just lose a generic generation. We're going to lose our kids. As the world grows more and more evil, we don't need to just circle the bowl with it. We need to grow more and more holy. And I know for many of you, what's happening right now is you're saying, Pastor, I agree, but it's too late for me. It's too late. I've already failed in this area. I've already crossed the line. And right now the devil is dragging out all the hurt, all the disappointment, all the times you've fallen short of the glory of God. And he's telling you, it's too late. But is it too late? Listen to Titus 3 out of the message. It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn, dupes of sin, Ordered every which way by our glands. Going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. 
But when God, our kind and loving Savior God, stepped in, he saved us from all that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath, and we came out of it new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come, an eternity of life. You want a good bath? You want a fresh start? You want to be clean inside and out? God says it's available. It's not too late. What do you do? Three steps. And I'm going to call you to a stronger level of these three steps than maybe you've ever heard before. Because your pain is real. And the stakes are high. This is a battle for your purity, a battle for your marriage, for your family, for your future. So what do we do? First step, confess sincerely. Confession means you call it what it is. You don't come to God and say, I messed up. I made a mistake. I got some problems. No, you didn't mess up. You don't have problems. You sinned. And the penalty of sin is eternal death. We've got to get back to calling it what it is. It's sin. Premarital sex is sin. Adultery is sin. Living together is sin. Lust is sin. Homosexuality is sin. Pornography is sin. We call it what it is. Because if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Confession is how I get clean from my wickedness. Next, I repent fully. And repentance is different than confession. Confession is what you do to find forgiveness. Repentance is what you do after you've got it. Repentance means you change the direction of your life. You change the direction of your life away from sin and toward holiness and purity, toward God. We don't just confess it here. We leave here and we change our lives. We, we break off that inappropriate relationship. We stop that sinful behavior. We move out. We change jobs if we have to. We change the direction of our life toward God and away from sin. Young man told Jesus, Yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back, it's not fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus says, there's no turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. And then the third thing. And this is often the missing step. I mean, how many times have you confessed your sins in the past? How many times have you tried to repent and change the direction of your life toward purity only to slide right back into the old way of doing things? You know, it's not enough just to stop. You've got to replace it with something else. And if you miss this step, that's what's going to happen. You've got to commit wholeheartedly. Kelly, spell it out. What to? You need to commit to a life-giving church. It doesn't have to be Rockbrook. There are lots of good churches in our community. Pick one, commit to it, and go regularly. You need to get plugged into a small group. You need to get some people around you who are committed to Christ, people who will help you with your struggles. 
You need to take our growth track and get plugged into our dream team. You need a purpose to live for bigger than Friday date night. You need a purpose to live for bigger than your next sensual experience. Because the God you serve has plans for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. Too many of us are stuck in the captivity of our sin. It's time for us to confess sincerely, repent fully, commit wholeheartedly to pursue covenant preparation, covenant purity, covenant pursuit. You'll get different results. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just make this a sacred moment. And I I know this is very personal, maybe even painful for many of you. But I want you to know that I am for you. God is for you today. And if today you want to confess sincerely, repent fully, commit wholeheartedly, then I invite you right now just to say, yes, that's me. Yes, God, that's me. And just pray this prayer quietly in your heart. God, forgive me for living my life my way. I'm a sinner, and today I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me. God, give me a bath. Wash me clean inside and out. Give me the power to make the changes. Give me the power to repent. And God, help me to commit everything in my life to living for you. Father, I pray for each person here today that they would be cleansed and forgiven, that they would see the hope and the plans that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen.